once again. Good morning, everybody. All right, I want to look into the camera and welcome those of you that are watching online right now at shilohoutreach.com, our online campus, and a big shout out to all of you on Facebook Live. Also, want to give a shout out to all of the ladies at the Claiborne County Detention Center. I, I, I'm so excited about what God is doing there week in and week out. And uh, so what an honor it is for us um, to get to be a part of that. And want to give a big shout out to all of you at our Tazewell location. We are one church wherever you are. So let's come together and give each other a big hand right now. Would you do that? It's this rainy day. So we are in part two of a series that we're doing called Things Jesus Never Said. And uh, we're, what we're doing is looking at, uh, at the Bible, at some of the things that, uh, that you, you may have been taught, and it's going to be challenging. Today's going to be challenging. And uh, all I'm going to ask you to do is to, uh, to, to look into the Word of God and, and, and may have to do your homework. But it's possible that, uh, that we've been wrong on some of this stuff. And uh, I will be looking at the Greek, uh, the original language, uh, that the Bible was written in New Testament, and we're going to be diving into that a little bit as well. And uh, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm excited about it. And so today we are in part two of our series, Things Jesus Never Said, and we're going to talk about being disqualified by divorce in the church. You see that. I mean, that's been a thing in the church, you know, is that you, if, if anybody's been through a divorce, you, you, you may know that or you may have experienced before what it's like to be in a church and be a part of that, be life, and you just feel like you're, oh, there's, I can't do certain things, some things I can, and, and that kind of thing. And we're going to look at the Scriptures today and, and say, what does the Bible really say about that? Uh, before I get started into that part of it, though, uh, I, I do want you to understand this. I want, I want to go to the straight truth about all of it, and that is just simply this, that divorce is not God's plan, okay? That, that's not God's plan. It, uh, as a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 6, he says, So there are no longer two but one, therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. Now, there's, there's a... There's a part of this verse that I think gets overlooked a whole lot, and we're going to kind of look into that just a little bit, but he says here what God has joined together. I, I would submit to you that every relationship that we find ourselves in is not one that God has joined together. I don't know about, you know what I'm saying? It, uh, there, there's a real question there in that, and uh, let me give you an example. We are called, and this is going to be great for all, especially for the single and the younger folks in here right now, but we are called to marry a believer for one thing. We're not, and and that, that's, that's right out of the gate called to do that. As a matter of fact, if there's been one problem that I have seen, one problem that I've dealt with in, in the last 15 years here, it is that somebody is marrying an unbeliever and then all of the turmoil and all of the problems and all of the issues and everything that comes along with that, you know. But we're called to not do that. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 Verse 14 says, Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness, you see? And so we're actually called to do that. And, and I want to say to especially, let me speak to those, the teenagers today and to our youth for just a moment. This is very important that you get this one right. It's very important that you get this one right and, and because it will set your life. It can make things really good, and it can make things, I'm just telling you from experience, it can make things really bad, everybody. I've seen it over and over 
and over again. That's why we don't get into physical relationships before we're married because it blinds us to whether or not that person is the right person for us, you see. We're not able to see that anymore. And then after that, we're just kind of foggy. It's uh, those deer hunters will understand that. Whenever, you know, whenever the deer, whenever they're in rut, I mean, you know, they get stupid is what happens to them, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm just telling you, they do. I, you'd never kill one of them hardly at all. I mean, if it wasn't for that. But, uh, you know, when the season comes in for them, they just, uh, you know, I mean, they're dumb, everybody. Boom. <laughs> and it costs them their life. And, and we have such a great example of that. But, but to not marry an unbeliever and, and to take the time to stay away from a physical relationship, you know, until you can get that processed and figure out whether or not that is the person that God has for you. The answer in the question, has God put this together, you see? And we're, we're called, and, and, and I want to say this too, um, there's, a, there's other reasons that God has not put something together. Uh, let's talk about abusive relationships for just a minute. Let me, let me say this if you're in a, an abusive relationship right now. God has not called you to live that way. Can I help somebody today? I, he has not called you to be in an abusive relationship or to be verbally or physically abused by anybody, period, okay? He's not. Matter of fact, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 gives these instructions, you see, to the, uh, to the husband. He said, husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In other words, love your wife and be willing to sacrifice, be willing to show her that. You know why that the Lord tells us to do that? He tells us to do that because it's the basic need of women. He didn't, you don't know where in the Bible does it say for a, for a wife to love her husband? Look that one up. And all the ladies said, amen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding, everybody. But, but, but what it, 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 we'll, we'll go to that in just a second. But it does say for the man to meet that, that one need that, that rises above all, and that is to love them because they, you all, they need to feel loved, Right? And then in, the, in, in respect to the ladies, it says this about the husbands in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. The reason for the respect thing is because that's a man's number one need. It, for me, it rises above the need to feel loved. I need to be respected. And so you can have a problem either way if, if you have a wife that refuses to respect a husband or a husband that refuses to love the wife sacrificially. I have learned that wife, my wife, she doesn't want to play second to anything other than Jesus. Come on, ladies, right? Isn't that true? And, and, and so we're, we're called, what it is, we are called in a marriage to meet the other one's basic and primary need, you see. Men, it's respect. I mean, you go through Walmart sometime. Two guys pass each other in Walmart. What happens, everybody? We do the nod, right? We do the, yep, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why do we do that? It's respect. It's respect, right? I mean, nothing set a guy off quicker than to feel disrespected, and, and, and it's a respect thing. It's the basic need of a man. And, and women, they have, they were, you were created with feelings that, that, that are much more sensitive usually than a man. And, and for that reason, the basic need is love. But we're called to it. And what God has put together, it's true. It's true. 
And I want to make a point that's going to come at you the way that it has come at a lot of people for a long time. But give me just a little bit to explain it. But it's just simply this, that God hates divorce. He does. Now, I'm going to tell you what, that, what, he, what it doesn't say. <laughs> Let me do Malachi 2 and 16 so you can see it here. He says, The man that hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord of Israel, does violence to the one he protects, says the Lord Almighty, so be on your guard, don't be unfaithful. He, the, God does hate divorce. I'll tell you what he doesn't say. It doesn't say that he hates divorced people. There's where we, <laughs> that, there's where we miss it, everybody. Why does he hate divorce? He, he hates divorce because it's destructive. It is. It's destructive. It leaves, a, it leaves a wake of destruction all the way across the board. And I think everybody can agree with this. You can agree with me on that, that there's, there's a destructive element to it. And it's just like you, something explodes and pieces are everywhere. And they're, they're, it's, you know, it's, it's different after that. And for that reason, God hates it. God hates anything that hurts you, though. I think sometimes we'll see something like that and we'll think, well, God hates me because I'm divorced. No, that's not what it says. He hates, God hates anything that hurts you. God hates anything that hurts people because he loves people, you see. And, and, and so with all of that in mind, it leaves us with these questions that, that I have dealt with from day one. From day one. I had a friend, and I'm not going to say any names. I got two examples here. But I had a friend. When I worked, I worked underground in the coal mines. I was an electrician. And, um, and I had a friend that worked there. And this friend, uh, I was not a Christian, by the way. I was a long way from it. Several years, matter of fact. And so I, I had a friend, though, that I kept my eye on pretty close. I really thought the world of him. He was, a gr- he was a good Christian man. He is still that to this day. He is rock-solid guy. And uh, I just, I, to this day, I think the world of him. And, um, and so we were working together, and he gets called to preach. I mean, that's what they call it, right? You're, you're called to preach. And so he gets called to preach, and, uh, and I'm just kind of keeping an eye on all that. Well, pretty soon he's preaching, and then two or three of the guys that went to church would talk about that a little bit. And, he, yeah, he preached. He did a good job and all this kind of stuff, you know. And I was excited for him. I was pumped. And, and then what happens, his wife ended up having an affair and then she left him for the guy she was having the affair with. All this happened while we're around. And, and, and I thought, ooh, that's, you know, that's, that's a horrible situation. But he come in one day and he told me, he said, I'm turning my papers in. I said, uh, papers, what, what papers for what? I didn't know what he was talking about. He said, I, I'm turning my papers in. I, 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 can't, I can't do this anymore. I said, why? He said, well, because of what happened with my wife. I said, well, you didn't do anything. He said, well, that's, that doesn't matter. And he started to quote scriptures to me, you know, and, and I, I'm like, well, I don't understand. I'm confused. I, I, was, I was bad confused. I'm still confused over that one. Can I help you? Still confused. And this is what I told him. I was friendly about it because we were friends, and I did think a lot of him. But I said, friend... Almost said his name there. <laughs> I said, friend, 
you have been trying to explain to me about the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and how that if I, you know, would accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, that I would be a brand new person and that I would get a new heart. And you've done all this work explaining this to me. And now you're turning around on the other side and you're not showing it. You don't get any grace, mercy, forgiveness or anything. And I told him, I said, it seems to me like you're talking out of both ends of your mouth. Which is it? I mean, which, which one of the scriptures are, are, you, going to, are you saying here? Are, are you saying that, that, that you can be? Or, I mean, and besides that, is God holding you accountable for something you didn't even do? Is that, is that in the Bible? I asked him that. He didn't know. He just quoted the same one again. Had another friend who got saved around the time I did. We and him have the same kind of a background a whole lot. And, and a few years ago, he's in different church, different denomination. And he, a few years ago, he was going to be a deacon in, in the church. And he was, I guess, presented to be a deacon is how you would do that. And, uh, but they, that was rejected on him because he had been married before. Now, I'm a little studied and a Christian after this. I have been somewhat studious and so I just began to challenge him a little bit on that. And he, but they, they quote the verse. See, this is the verse, if you don't know which one it is. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, here it goes. A bishop must be blameless. I get that. A husband of one wife. There it goes, right there. And we, we, we do that verse right there and say, well, he said, well, I, um, I've, been, I've been married before, so I can't qualify because of this. And I said, well, there's a little bit of a problem there. I said, because that's not even really, that's a, the King James, and I love the King James and everything, but the translation's off there. And I showed him the Greek, and here it goes. This is the Greek word for it. It's mias uh, canonicos, Andrea. It, it is, uh, it, that, that is what it says in the original language. And thought for thought means something completely different. Let me show it to you in the NLT. Thought for thought, they get it right. Check me out on this. Here it goes. 1 Timothy 3 and 2, NLT. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. I agree with that. He must be faithful to his wife and must exercise self-control. The idea being that if he's not faithful to there, he won't be faithful to the church. And, it, and the whole chapter, if you read the whole chapter, it's all about faithfulness. It has nothing to do with divorce. The word divorce is not mentioned one time in the whole chapter. Nowhere. And, and we take those verses when it comes to deacons or, or pastors or different things, and we disqualify them, and then we carry on the disqualification on over the other people. And so if somebody comes in and they've been through that, they're just kind of they're kind of set to the side a little bit. You can come in, and, and you can be a part of the services and all of that kind of stuff, but when you're gonna be, we're going to have to keep you over here. Oh, and by the way, Jesus does forgive, and he offers you a new day and, and all that too. <laughs> and then of course the question is this here's another one we're sticky it's quiet in here today everybody are you all ready for this one what if you're not I've seen that happen before I've seen that happen before and, and it, what if you're not back up for me what, what if you're not what if you what if you do have a problem there and there's a there's a, there's not faithfulness well let's let's stay with the bible a little bit more listen to what he says here he says, if you see your brother or your sister overtaken in a fault, you that are spiritual, 
You that are born again, you that know Jesus, you that have been forgiven, you that have experienced the grace of God, you that, you that are spiritual, what's the heart of God here? Restore such a one. Restore such a one. And then he says this. He says, restore them with an understanding that if you don't, that if you play the Pharisee, then you're going to open yourself up to the same thing one day. <laughs> it's sowing and reaping. You know, it's kind of that, that mathematical, biblical math. You know, where that, where that if you don't offer it, you're not going to get it. If you can't forgive, you're not forgiven. If you can't offer grace, you're not going to receive it on the day you need it. Now, I would challenge you. I mean, you can, you can check me on this. And I, and I have had some of my more studious friends, my, my, those that, that knew it, that graduated from seminary, and I, and I point this out and I ask that question, and I have never had anybody come back and tell me that that was wrong, but I don't know of the times where I've heard, well, that's the way I've always been taught. That's the way I've always been taught must be right. I'll tell you why it's not. It's not the heart of God. You know, if your interpretation of a scripture doesn't line up with the rest of them, then we're the ones that's missed it there. You see what I'm saying? If we miss it there, we missed it. It's not the Bible that's wrong. We missed it. And if, and if we ask ourselves when we're looking at this, not a bias on things. Next week is going to be so challenging for this. Not a bias on something that we have a, a natural bend to or a bias where we're none of that kind of stuff. But what if we just looked at it with an openness and said, you know what, God, I, I want your heart here. I want to see this the way it was intended I, I want to have your heart. I, I want to see people restored, and I want to see people made new again, and, and I want to help. I, you know, I'll tell you why I do this. I've been up here for over a 1,000 times, everybody, a 1,000 of them. So I'm over the speaking. I don't need it. I was off two months and didn't miss it at all. I don't know when I would ever want to. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm good, trust me. I'll tell you what I do like. I like helping people. And I'm going to say this just clear as I can make it. If you come in here today and you've been disqualified by divorce, whoever taught you that missed it. They missed it. And God has a plan. He has a plan for your life. And that's what we do here at the church. We do four things to help people take the steps into that plan. You see, one step at a time. Math thesis, to learn one step at a time, to make disciples, to help people. That's really what I wanted to do today. I want to help people. I don't want to help you get into your day. And if you've been on the sideline, then just come off there and, 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 and let's, let's join up and let's, let's do something for the Lord. So I'm going to give you those four things. It's the vision of the church. It's the heart of the church. It's why we do what we do. And the first one is just simply to know God, to just know him. Now, what I mean by that, that word here, Old Testament and New in this regard, that word is a word of intimacy. I mean, it is a really an intimate, relational word. It's not like you, you, you know how to do something. 
You know, maybe some of you, you you're really good with numbers or, or, or some of you, you have a natural bend in management or business maybe. Or maybe you have a natural, you're, you work with your hands and you do things that way or whatever. It's not to know how to do stuff. It's, it's not that kind of know. What it is, it is an intimate relationship to know God. 1 John 1 and 9 says it this way. It says, and I love this verse, by the way. If you don't check me on this, uh, on everything I've just said, because some of you look pretty mind-blown right now. But we're, we're going to ask if this is in keeping with, the, with this Scripture, what, everything I've told you up to now, okay? If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive. Will forgive. Everybody say that with me. It's so good. <laughs> will forgive. Not might, not could, not maybe. Let's do that again. I love it so much. Will forgive. He will do that. He will. So if we talk straight out of it, both sides lining up here, it's will forgive. And and watch this. He'll forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What that means is this. And, and, And you may be watching this online right now, one of the other locations, or you're in here. What that means is that your past is not more powerful than the cross. Plus nothing, when you're talking about salvation, adds a lot of meaning to it. Plus nothing. That the cross is more powerful. What Jesus has done is enough. And and can I be honest with you for just a minute? We either believe that or we don't, everybody. We either believe it or we don't believe it. But we can't split that off into two different directions and, and say one thing out of this side of our mouth and this one out of the other and, and expect anything to line up. It just will. It doesn't. It doesn't. Is there accountability? Sure, there's accountability to it. Absolutely, there is. Does God hate divorce? Yes, He does. He, and the reason is because it hurts people. He loves you. Why? Is there a way to have a brand new day if you failed? Let me tell you, if there's one thing I know about this, is that the answer to that is, yes, he can restore you 100%, everybody, 100%, and not sideline you in either direction. Jeremiah 24 and 7, we'll go into the old for a minute, looking into the future. He said, I'll give them a new heart. I love that so much. That's what happened to me. What happened to me was I, I was just different. The, the miracle was, wow, okay, I mean, I am a different person here. And, and he said, I'll give them a new heart. Why? So they can know me. Intimate relationship, you see. So they can know me, that I am the Lord. And they will be my people. I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. He's speaking here not just of the Jewish people, but he's looking into the future and seeing us all, that he'll give us a new heart. So we're going to know him. That's the first thing. That's God's desire is is for you to know him. And And the way to start that is to walk into the forgiveness that he has already paid the price for, you see. And then the second thing is this. The second thing is to find freedom. Now, the reason that we put that in there behind it is scripturally lands there. And but then also is because I've learned that that uh, all of us have issues. Come on. Somebody help me. All God's children have issues. If you don't have issues, you don't think you do. That's your issue right there? Pride. 
Oh, I got it. I got it going on. I'm good. <laughs> we'll start there. Find freedom. To find freedom from them. And, there, and, and Colossians 3 and 13 says it this way. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive them as the Lord has forgiven you. So let's talk just for a second about what freedom looks like. Freedom is someone who has been forgiven, who then starts forgiving. A forgiven person is endowed with power to forgive. That's what makes us accountable in the whole thing, is that whenever we have been forgiven, we have now been endowed with power from on high to forgive, you see. And it doesn't have anything to do with what, what someone has done to you or, or what kind of betrayal that you've dealt with. And it's not that that stuff doesn't matter. It does. And I, I'm not trying to make light of it or anything like that. But in order to be free, you have to forgive. And, and if you see, if that person, if their transgression in your life causes you not to forgive, then they have, in fact, bound you to a prison, you see. And so we're called to this. How, how, are we, how do we do that? We forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says it this way. If anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. I love this verse. This is like one of my favorites. The old has gone. Is that, is that true? Can we interpret those first verses that I give you a minute ago? And then read this one too. I, I couldn't do both before. I, I was reading, I, I, but I thought, well, no, wait a minute. What about, what about this one? Is it true that if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone, the new is here? All this is from God. Watch this. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's what I was talking about a minute ago. You that are spiritual. I'm going to talk to the church for just a minute. When we read our Bible, do we read it with a heart of reconciliation? Do we read it through the heart of Jesus or through the heart of a Pharisee? You see. Because there's a real option there. I'll tell you the biggest problem that I've seen in the, for years. We see God wrong, everybody. And if we could really know him and know his heart, you would have a very clear picture of just how much he loves you. Just how much he loves you. And then when you read this through that lens, you can begin to see this scripture as, a, as all of it is with a heart of reconciliation. There's nobody in here that at some point is not messed up in your life. There is not one person watching this online or in this room right now that hasn't need, doesn't need forgiveness. Let me say it this way, regularly. And when we have that heart of reconciliation... Let me tell you, when we, when we desire that for people, when we desire to not disqualify people for something that's happened in the past, but we're, we want to reconcile them, you see, to their calling and to what God has for them in their life, it's at that point that we'll have the heart of God, you see. And we can understand why that Jesus paid such a high price for us. 
And then the third thing here is to discover your purpose. This is the four things we do. It, it hasn't changed. It's been the same for years. We, I say this, we don't do five. We don't do six. Uh, we do four. <laughs> Stick with them. We want you to know God, to find freedom, and then to discover your purpose because you have a purpose. And I'm just going to say this. I'll say it with a smile. My wife says that when you say difficult things, you need to be very friendly and smile about it. So I'm going to smile real big for everybody. It's the best I can do right here. But I'm going to smile big and just tell you that, uh, I, you know, and I'm, I don't know no other way to say it. I'm trying to think of a good way, a nice way. To, um, I, I, just, I don't care what you've been taught. I don't know no other way to put it. I just don't care. They were wrong. And if that interpretation is not an interpretation that has the heart of God in it, it's wrong. If it doesn't line up with all the scriptures, it's wrong. And I'm going to tell all of you today the same thing I told my friend that day. Later on, not that day, later on I told him this. We met years later after I was a pastor here. I looked him in the eye and I said, sir, you're still called. You're not disqualified, you're still called. And if you want to look at the Bible that way, you can, but it doesn't change anything. You're still called. And he's still to this day. He's never went back to it. And I'm sad for him. I'm sad. Jesus leaves heaven. Think about this for just a minute, everybody. Leaves this perfect, perfect situation and comes into the most religious place in the world. And, and, and what happens? What do they do with that message? They beat on him, spit on him, treated him horribly, tried several times to kill him, finally, you know. And, and, and what, was the, what was it all about? It was, it was, that, it was that Pharisee religious rule-keeping thing that nails him to a cross. Think about this. It was religion that killed him. And if we have the heart of God, everybody, the heart to reconcile, the heart to see people made new, you know why I do what I do? I do what I do to help people. That's what I want to do. I want to help people. I want to see people restored. That's my word. I, I want to see your lives restored. I want to see you discover your purpose because you still have one. And if you've been sidelined in the past, I'm sorry about that, but that's not going to happen here. Do we have accountability in our lives? Absolutely we do. Absolutely. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you this is big because you are called I, I also come up in a place where that some people were called like the preacher was called and then or whatever but no it, it's actually everybody here you have been called and to know the riches you see of it to know what it's like to, to be actually be truly fulfilled in life by doing what you have been called to do and then the final thing the fourth thing is to make a difference Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. I, got, I love this so much. When I read this, if you will, just let it, let it dig in, okay, a little bit. 
You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And then it goes on to say this. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. But instead they put it on a stand. I don't know where you are. Okay, and I'm going to promise you right now I'm not thinking of anybody or anything like that. I don't have time for that up here. But how's your light doing right now? See, if we're tucking it away, we're missing out. He is, is never created to be that way. The gifts that God had given you, the calling that he's given you, was to demonstrate, listen, if nothing else, you say, well, you don't understand where I've been. You don't know about my past and all that kind of stuff. And I will say, listen, maybe all of that's going to be a great testimony to the redemptive power of God. How about that, everybody? What if, what if we were able to demonstrate just how much God can forgive and how that he can bring us a new day? What if that's the story? I believe it is. He said, and in the same way, let your light shine. We've been called to do that. We've been called to let it shine. Called to move forward. Now, let me ask you something. Because this, this, this applies no matter where you're at, no matter what location, this applies. If you're in a place right now where you've been running, and like myself, you've heard some stuff before that just made you feel like that there's part part of stuff you're going to be forgiven for and part of it you're not going to be forgiven for and you're really confused and don't understand I hope this has helped and really you're the one that I came here for today I, I hope it helps I hope it helps you to understand that God loves you that's, that's the biggest thing is I'm, I'm praying that you get an understanding that God loves you and that he has a plan for your life a plan for salvation and a plan for ministry, a plan to be forgiven and free. That's his plan. And if you're running right now and you just don't know him, I want to give you an opportunity to know him. Now, this sounds so simple. It's just like can it, it can't be true. It's so simple. But I, you know, I've never wanted to complicate something that, um, that I'm convinced Jesus made very simple. Jesus made everything very simple, see, and, and I don't want to complicate that, and I don't want to get into the equation either. Because really what this is right now, this is a moment that's between you and God, and, and I'm going to promise you this, while we're all going to say this prayer together because we're family, if you mean it, it'll change your life. It will. You'll be different. And I take it from a guy at 32 years old that discovered a little later that there's nothing better in the whole world than being forgiven and being free, and being filled with the Spirit of God. Nothing better than that. So I'm going to ask you if you would to bow your heads with me for just a minute and close your eyes. And to, I don't, The reason I do that is because I want this just to be between you and the Lord. It's not about anybody around you right now or anything like that. And As a team comes this way to help me just for a minute, if you're here right now and God's dealing with you, okay? God's dealing with you and you, you just... I don't know, you believe the lies of the enemy and you've been sidelined by it. You're sidelined by your past. I'm going to tell you today, it's the heart of God to restore you. 
to restore you. And the first part of that is to be restored to a relationship, to be made new again. He'll give you a new heart. He'll change your life. If you're in here right now and you want to be a part of that prayer, I'm not going to call you up, not going to stand you up, not going to come to the front. And the reason is because we don't want to make anybody the center of attention here. We, we want to make Jesus the center of attention, you see. And what he's doing in your life is between you and him. He's the one that saves. If you want to be a part of that prayer right now, no matter what lo- where you're at location, if you're in your car right now watching this, on, listening to it online or whatever, you, you can all do this with me. But if you want to be a part of that prayer, would you do this right now? Would you just slip your hand up and say, that's me. I see you. God bless you. I see you over here, over here. God bless you. Right here again in the back center. Wow. Let's do this together. We're family. I want you to know today you're loved. We are so glad that you're here. And we're going to all pray this with you because you're not alone, okay? But all you got to do is mean it. So let's all pray this together. Lord Jesus. Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And today, I will believe that the price you have paid on the cross is more than enough for the sins I have committed. Today, I will trust you as both Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, everybody. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Would you do that? Wow, wow. Stand up with me for just a minute. Now, let's just do this right now. Let's just celebrate. I'm going to ask you this question one more time. Has the Lord been good to you? Oh, I'd hold up feet, but I'd fall down right now. He's been so good to me. Amen. Restored. Restored. You know what that means for us? It means to be restored to the original place that you were intended for to begin with. And that's the heart of God. That is the heart of God for your life. Your past does not determine your future, everybody. Jesus does. Amen. Amen. Let's worship him.
I pray so much that you just experience the goodness of God in your life and to know what it's like to be forgiven and to be free and, and to, to be able to just have the heart of God. And You know, I know some of, this, some of these messages next week, no exception, it's going to be something else. But I, you know, I never wanted to be in a church where you couldn't bring up the difficult things. You just kind of, kind of skip over everything all the time. We don't want to be that church. We, I'd rather be one where we could just agree at times to disagree, okay? And can I tell you today that if you disagree with me on this one, that's okay. I love you anyway. And guess what? You've got to love me. you got to love me. And I'm besides that, everybody, I don't mind if you're wrong. <laughs> oh, oh, we gotta have some fun every now and then. But I do. I want on a serious note. I want you to know this. I'm, I mean this with everything within me, and I'm passionate about it. 
biblically. Your past doesn't determine your future, everybody. I can't make that more clear than what I've tried to make it today. It just simply doesn't. And we have a heart of restoration. I want to see you go into the whatever it is you've been called to do, to do that. Amen, everybody? It's our opportunity to give. And they got some different ways to do that up here. I want you to know that if you're here as a guest, we don't put pressure on none whatsoever to give. I teach it. Um, I have never seen a person outgive God, not in my life. <laughs> I've been waiting a long time to see somebody do that. I've never seen anybody uh, go broke giving. I've never, this, this has never happened. And so I do teach it, and I want that for you. But I want you to know we do want something for you, not from you. Okay? And so that's the opportunity, these ways to do that. Online on top, text the amount there a second, and then you can mail it in. There's also going to be some people at the back door, and they'll receive it there. I'd love to get that connection card. Want to be water baptized, put it on there, throw the card in there at the back doors, and we'll hook up and, 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 and get that.